This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, and with me, Cam Russell, today we have the returns of, he is an educator, he's a uh, filmmaker, he is Zan Asli. Hello. Uh, he's also a journalist, he's also a blogger, he's, he's, he's everything. Uh, <laughs> and a parent, which I think will become relevant soon. And our second guest is, he is a consultant with Nort Labs, and it's the job I want. Uh, he is Onkar Jin. Hello, everybody. Wow, Cam, you got it right this time. I did, I did. I'd love to be a consultant. Like you just walk into a room and you just sort of like go, I think you should do this, and then you just walk out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's more or less it. Brilliant. Um, okay, our three topics this week are, topic number one is fair use and copyright, vis-a-vis Andy Warhol and Prince. Uh, topic number two is chat GPT revisited. And finally, topic number three is Disney live action versions of their animated classics are bad, says Zan Asli. So uh, we start with fair use and copyright, Kajin. Yeah, so basically last week, um, the Supreme Court of the United States of America made a landmark decision where they ruled against the use of Prince, the uh, you know the artist that has passed away, his portraits, uh, his photo portraits, uh, that were used as a reference for Andy Warhol to transform into you know his colorful, um, sort of painting, and they basically ruled that it was against fair use, and that Andy Warhol did not in fact have the quote unquote copyright to use them. There was a form of appropriation, um, and so I mean we're here discussing this because. I feel, and certainly the justices that were the dissenting opinion, feel that this is a kind of violation and a misunderstanding of the purpose of art and appropriating images in art. Yeah. Okay, Kajin. There speaks a person who doesn't actually uh, create content uh, <laughs> and gets stolen. So. I, I, I critique it. I critique it and yeah. enjoy it. Well, let me pass you over to someone who does create content. Uh, Zan, what do you think? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I, I am for uh, fair use uh, because I, I do critique content as well. Uh, and uh, I also see, you know, one, one of the areas that I'm in is news. And when we are in news, uh, there's a lot of fair use that we, we do. Uh, we, we, we tend to take things from outside that we talk about, or we comment about, and all that, it becomes fair use. But as a content creator also, I do know that all the content that I put out there, if anybody wants to do anything to it, whatever they want to do it, I would like to be asked for permission. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. And, and, and paid. I mean, if let's say it's, it's uh, you take a photograph of Prince. It's really actually the photographer who's taking up the issue, not Prince. Uh, Prince Estate. Take a photograph of Prince. It is then used by this very famous man called Andy Warhol, whose artworks go for millions, <laughs> and you are not credited uh, or paid for that. And really, all he did was just sort of like just re- reverse the colors and then a silk screen, which he didn't even do himself. He got one of his lackeys to do it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. it is one of the last pictures he did, by the way, uh, before he died. Yeah. So, 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 so I mean, um, you know, you know, for the, for the record, he did, in fact, well, uh, it was part of a commission set of paintings or silk screens commissioned by Vanity Fair magazine. And Vanity Fair did pay 
for the use of the photograph, but it was meant for only one portrait. But Andy Warhol produced 16, one of which has appeared today that did not appear in the original Vanity Fair magazine. And that's really the issue at stake here. And something really interesting is that they've debated over whether this is fair use and whether it constitutes a parody. And something that was debated very hotly amongst the justices was whether or not this constituted a commercial use and the purpose of that would determine whether it was not fair use or not. So, Can somebody, first of all, just uh, what is fair use? Uh, just so that we know where we stand. Does anyone know the kind of legal uh, view of what is fair use? Uh, blank blank looks. Nobody <laughs> what, what knows. I think, what I think it means is that, I believe it means is that you can use content from other people if you are commenting on it, um, you are creating a parody or satire of it, uh, or criticizing it, um, or even using it for non-commercial purposes. Like that's just what I believe. Lah. You know, I don't know what chat GPT would say about it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kajin, yeah. is that... Is that... Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's exactly right. And something else that is another added element to that is whether it was used and transformed. So, for example, in music, there's a lot of remixes, right? People take like a little track of something. And, you know, in hip-hop, like there's a lot of remixes all the time. And that's that constitutes fair use because they use an element of the work and then transformed it into something else. So that was a very big point of debate as well, whether Andy Warhol just slapped the filter or did he actually transformed the world? Well, no, he did not. He just put on a filter. But but having said that, he put on the Andy Warhol filter. I mean, he had worked to be able to have that trademark look. It's, it is it is unmistakably Andy Warhol. Um, but I think it's also about who is litigious or not. Um, in this case, the photographer decided to do it, I rem- there's the famous case in music where it wasn't actually the Rolling Stones, but the Rolling Stones' manager who sued the band Verve for a song that they'd used a sample of a, wasn't even a Rolling Stones song, but an orchestral version of a Rolling Stones song and negotiated 100% of the band's profits because that manager was a really horrible person. Um. I mean, it happens all the time, and people decide not to um, to sue. Uh, but I mean, if someone bigger than yourself, say the Andy Warhol estate, decides to do it, then you should go and sue them. I, I, so, therefore, in a perfect world for you, Karjin, people should be able to do what? Anything they damn well please, is it? Well, I mean, in in some ways, I think the understanding of originality is sometimes overrated, right? Because, uh-huh. you know, I mean, you know, like like Michelangelo, right? Like, we're like, oh my God, what a genius, Michelangelo. But if you look at the history of how these, you know, beautiful statues were made, it's made by teams and teams of like underpaid workers toiling away in his studio. And the person who's credited is Michelangelo. So I think it, it does speak to this sense of what is originality? Um, how do we... Um, pull upon what has come before us and what and where is the line between say um, copying like unthinkingly and actually transforming a piece or using it in a way that's innovative and that is deeply subjective and I think that's really where 
people will have endless arguments about. Yeah, but Warhol literally did a silkscreen. He literally did a copy. It was a, a literal copy. <laughs> yeah. So but, I think, but, but I think that's that's that what point, he did. That's that was his thing. I mean, he that was his commentary. Was yeah, yeah. It, it I, is all there is no originality, it's all copy. That was what yeah, he was saying. Yeah. I mean, it's like you know, Marcel Duchamp, he like makes a urinal, right? I'm like, what's all that about, right? And I mean, I think the interesting thing that the like Justice Sotomayor put in her uh, her opinion, which was a majority opinion, which said this does not is this this is not okay, was that she said for the Campbell soup can, it's okay because it's a commentary on consumerism. So that's okay, you can use whatever you want. But for some reason, the Prince one is not okay because it's not in fact a commentary on anything else. Because like, he was ah. because he was commissioned by Vanity Fair to do a picture yep. of Prince. Yeah, to to illustrate an article about Prince. Yeah, so it's kind of different. Yeah, <laughs> could there be a power play involved as well? Like depending on who has more power than the other. Yeah, uh, you know, because like like for example, mm. there's no Olivia Rodrigo, the, the teenage singer musician. Uh, yeah, a couple of like veteran musicians accused her of like you know, stealing their music uh, and send her like legal letters and things like that. Uh, but then Elvis Costello came out and made a comment saying that, hey, you know, that's what music is all about. You listen to a piece of music and then you, like like what Kajim was saying, you, know, you innovate, you change it. And, and that's how music is supposed to develop. And Elvis Costello said, I'm not going to take any action on, on things like that. You know, and mm -hmm. I think it also sees like probably how, how big is this person who's taking advantage yep. yeah. of, you know, yeah, how big is yeah. Andy Warhol? How big is the photographer who took the picture of Prince? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. The, the law courts are, you know, David and Goliath, and David can't afford to. <laughs> can't afford it. Okay, we have to move on, but I will just wrap up then. So you you, you remain steadfast, uh, Kajin, that uh, fair use is fair game. Well, to be honest, I, I think in, in Andy Warhol's case, there, there is a case to be made that he's already worked, you know, a significant amount of time to make this a trade marketplace, right? And when... When Vanity Fair commissioned this, when the photographer was paid by Vanity Fair for the initial use, the, the photographer in question knew full well what Andy Warhol was going to do with the picture, right? Like, mm. Andy Warhol. So, and in this case, it's the photographer's estate that is suing, not her herself. So no, no, she's, I feel she's, like, still, no, she's still alive. The photographer's still alive. Oh, is she? Yeah, yeah. And and the photograph was taken separately from the, the Vanity Fair she took oh, a yes, photograph yes. of Prince and then and then yep. Warhol later Vanity came Fair. and said, said I want yeah. to use that picture for, for Vanity Fair. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like there is a, a sort of implicit understanding that, yeah, it's at Warhol. He's going to use it this way. But in, in a way, I, I suppose that that's where it gets into those nuances there. But right. on principle, I'm like, yeah, I think it is fair game. Like in general. Well, I think that topic number two is going to actually like uh, reflect topic number one as well because I, I want oh, yeah. to I want to talk about Chat GPT revisited uh, on this show. We've already talked about it once before, but um, yeah. I want I want to ask again because you know a significant time has elapsed, i.e., like two weeks <laughs> since uh, <laughs> Chat GPT emerged, and um, and and so I'm wondering, you know, if we've uh, dis discovered it and come across it in our working lives, and and. If, if it's making any impact there. I just want to say that when I was growing up in the 1970s, the thing to be afraid of was quicksand. 
quicksand in, was in all the movies and uh, children's shows and everything. And people are always being dragged into quicksand. And, and I was terrified of quicksand, but I never came across quicksand and now you never hear about it. And I'm wondering if chat GPT is going to be the quicksand, African killer bees, um, sharks of, <laughs> of the future. And, and so uh, Zan, I'm going to, I want to ask you first, cause you, you teach. And if I was a student, now, if I had ChatGPT when I was a student, I'd be using it on everything. <laughs> so, I think they are using it on everything. But I mean, have you come across it? Have you? I, I would not know if I've come across it or not. If if they're using ChatGPT for their assignments or their work or anything like that, how can you tell? How well, can, you know? Well, if they're suddenly using complete sentences and like a week ago like, they were like, not. Like okay, say for example, students are writing essays, right? Uh, and they submit these essays and you know your students you see them in class and if their essays are like wow so beautifully crafted their words you know are like so so literature literature-esque you know and you, you wonder and you're suspicious uh, and then you ask them uh, and then <laughs> or you can check because as lecturers we have tools to spot plagiarism right uh, they have to go through these online tools in order to come up with uh, plagiarism reports and it has to reach a minimum of certain percentage before they can actually submit it. Uh, and I, I think some of these tools may already have been adapted for chat GPT, but how can you really know? You, you don't really know. And actually, I, I'll tell you the truth. I tell the students that they can use chat GPT. There's no problem at all. But, but why? What's, why? Why? Because it's just like any other search engine. If you're going to go search on Google or whatever, you're going to get results and you're going to see these results. Because the main thing when it comes to, like, say, academic essays, if they're supposed to submit something, you always have to provide references on where you're getting your information from, where the facts are coming from. So even if you use ChatGPT, you ask a question to your app and an answer comes out, you still need to provide where the source of that answer is coming from. So in that sense, you're still having, you have to do your research anyway. Mm. Right? I thought you, you just say from the internet. <laughs> That's what they used to do from the internet or credit to YouTube or something. Yeah, yeah. Isn't, you know? isn't that? But that's not enough. Yeah. No? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. My my uncle thinks. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Kajin, I mean, yeah, really seriously, following on from what we were talking about before, um, I mean, have you come across it? Yeah, I, I use it. I use it. I tell I tell staff to use it. Uh-huh. Um, and But, but my, my stance is, I think, very similar to Zan's, which is that if you're going to use it, you need to use it well because ChatGPT needs to be tweaked. What it provides is incredibly generic, right? And in a way, like there's there's a lot of talk about ChatGPT now, but the trick is going to be, it's like Google, right? Not everyone knows how to use Google to its optimal capabilities. You know, you can, two people can start searching the same thing and somehow this guy comes up with way better results and way better sources than the other. And I think ChatGPT is going to go that way, that we're going to have to learn how to use it and and use it well. Okay, well, if if I then uh, continue with my, my quicksand fear <laughs> of ChatGPT type thing, um, is it though, Kajin, you mentioned earlier that perhaps uh, originality is overrated. And <clears throat> ChatGPT is, is, is harvesting from what happens to be in the digital archive right now. So, uh, I mean, should we just be cool with the fact that, yeah, okay, you can tweak it, but I mean, it's never going to really say something. It's, it's never going to be Michelangelo. 
Zan? <laughs> so so don't, don't laugh at me, okay, you guys. I would write, I would ask a question in ChatGPT and say, write an opinion piece in the style of Zan Azli <laughs> on, <laughs> on whatever topic, right? Like on, <laughs> I don't know, Anwar Ibrahim's film or whatever. <laughs> no. uh-huh. And it would, it would generate an article. And I can see similarities on how I would write. It would actually copy my style, writing in a first-person perspective, using I a lot, using my experience a lot, but it doesn't have any of my actual experiences, right? So it, when you read it, there's something lacking there, but you can see that it's trying to copy me, right? But there is something lacking there. And I, sometimes I'll read it and I'm thinking, uh, ChatGPT just wrote a piece that's really dumb. Am I actually that dumb? And that's why it's writing it. <laughs> uh, but, but I think it can't really emulate, you know, uh, creativity, it can't really emulate personalities. It can try to, and you will get something quite similar, but never exactly the same. So I don't think there's any fear of it, you know, killing creativity or anything like that. Uh, Kajin? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, what ChatGPT does right now, I mean, I'm not saying that, it, I mean, for, for all you know, maybe a year from now, we'll all be out of a job because it'll be writing maybe, right? for us. <laughs> but I will say that, for example, uh, one example where I think ChatGPT does exceedingly well and saves so much time is press releases. You know, you know, yeah, I mean, Zan, you work in this field. You know, NGOs love their press releases and mm. there's like five <laughs> press releases a day. And the thing is, they all sound the same after a while, right? And so ChatGPT is really good at making these generic statements. But I mean, you can argue, did you really need all the creativity in the world to write a press statement. Yeah. And in a way, like, are we wasting our energy, like writing five press statements a day when, yes, we have to do it, but why not get ChatGPT to do it and you can focus on actually engaging with real people, engaging with stakeholders, the parts which an AI cannot replace. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah. but they just have to make sure that they, they delete the last line generated by Ask AI app. <laughs> you know, make sure they delete that part. <laughs> So it, it's it's going to be it just is it just is then it and it really has landed on this earth both feet on the ground as this enormous monster that's just going to do things and it's here. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I because think so. I what what I mean a couple of things I hear from what you're saying, Zan. You know, in the style of Zan Asli, it could copy Zan Asli, but it could never create Zan Asli. No. Yeah. It can't. Yeah. But. And if we all get used to hearing the the sound of ChatGPT and becoming uh, satisfied with that, we will be, I think, in a perpetual 2023 for the next thousand years. <laughs> because that's it's just culling the same information again and again. I, but it's like African killer bees. They never actually happened. Um, <clears throat> so maybe I'm just being crazy. Am I? Am I? No, no, no. I think you're absolutely right, Cam, in the sense that uh, in data, you know, we say garbage in, garbage out, right? So mm. the, the sum total of the, in, it, the sum of the parts of the internet is ChatGPT. It will never be more than the sum of its parts for now. But, you know, with the way things are going, I mean, like, for example, um, you know, recently they've been testing AI, like OpenAI was playing Go, right? It beat the world champion in Go. And how it managed to do that was instead of relying purely on historical <laughs> data, it started playing games against itself and thereby generating new data from it to learn from. Okay. I think ChatGPT could overcome its capabilities, its current limitations of the internet having only this much information by doing that. 
Oh God! <laughs> yeah, then, 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 then truly will be will be in trouble. But I think, I mean, like I think you know, people like Zan, for example, right? People go to Zan because he's Zan Asli, right? There's a there, there is a voice as a personality. The people who have to worry are people who write the most generic things that you're like, oh, this sounds like any other guy, and those people have to really worry. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, thanks for that. And um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I just thought just... we won't need Arnold Schwarzenegger to come and rescue us, okay? In the future. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Cam, they, they'll never replicate your voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what are you saying, Zan? We are the Sarah Connors of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just didn't know it. Um, <clears throat> can I ask one question? One final question. We must move on. But um, I've noticed now increasingly on YouTube that there are AI... Uh, versions of say Paul McCartney, a, a new Paul McCartney song with John Lennon, you know, the, a new Beatles song. Say, um, I dare not touch these things, but I don't know if either of you have actually listened to. No, no, I've not. But, uh, I mean, just I've AI music. If you've listened some, to it, yeah. And? I mean, you know, I think some musicians. Um, I, I have a friend who is a musician, but he 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 studied computational arts. Which what that means is they operate at the intersection between computer science, mathematics, and the arts. Mm. And his argument is that at the end of the day, music is actually numerical patterns. And especially in pop music, there are just very there are certain rhythms, certain melodies, certain scales, certain arrangements that are very popular. So right. that's yeah. yeah. I hate I hate your friend's music. I've, I've, <laughs> I, I don't know who he is. I've never heard it. I hate it. <laughs> okay. Um, we move on. And in a moment, um, we're going to be tackling a new genre of film, which could actually be created by ChatGPT. It is uh, live action versions of animated classics. And Zan Asli is going to be the angry old man on that <laughs> topic. In a moment, here on uh, Bit of Culture, BFM 89.9. And we're back. Uh, and now with uh, Zan Asli and Onkar Jin. And now, Zan, um, you have children, girls, and you watch movies. And you yes. have a pick, which is um, uh, you do not like animated movies, which are now having live action versions. Well, I like watching movies, Cam. Movies is it's great. I love watching movies, films, and all that. It doesn't matter if it's for children or for adults. Uh, but so I recently just watched The Little Mermaid, the live-action version that's out in the cinemas right now. Uh, and I did not like it. And uh, it started, it got me thinking uh, about the topic that we're talking about, that I'm suggesting to talk about today. Uh, I, I looked at, like, there's several films, right, that were animated classics and then they've like converted it to live action like okay there's the little mermaid there's aladdin there's uh, lion, lion king lion king correct you know all these movies and uh i did not like lion king uh, i did not like aladdin <laughs> i did not like the little mermaid i think it's all because of um of how the perception we have as audiences when we go in to watch these movies like when i go in to watch an animated disney movie my mindset is of a certain, you know, perspective, and I'm coming in to see um, a, a very wholesome show, um, maybe slightly for a younger audience, but yet if you dig through it, you can see something meaningful in it, even if you're an adult and all that. But then, but, but that's the animated version, right? You watch Lion King and you feel that way. But then if you, you convert it into live action, you watch a live action film and you feel, you come in with a different perspective. You're looking at it from a more 
I don't know, a more adult view maybe, a little bit more realistic view because it's not animated. And then you see these movies being told in the same way that the animated version was told. So that's my problem, I think. They should evolve the way they tell the story when it's not an animation, right? But these movies has kept to like being exactly the same or worse <laughs> right yeah. so, so like, oh, I got so irritated watching Lion King it was like it's the same thing but you see a real lion like what's that you know you see a little little mermaid and ah oh, yeah so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, okay, uh, Kajin, do you, I mean, you you don't you don't have kids. You probably I don't know. You probably never, you don't watch these films anymore now. But what do you think? Well, no, I, I grew up watching these. You know, I grew up watching Sleeping Beauty, Lion King, and all that. Um, but I, I mean, I wonder like how much of this is our nostalgia goggles, and be like, no, oh, this doesn't measure up to the original. You, you're and calling me a boomer, Kajin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I watch these films too, right? But but I mean, I'm just curious that like. Did your did your kids love mm. it? Like the day, like oh, I don't know what you're talking about. That like I, it was great. Mm. Yeah, they thought it was great. <laughs> really? Yeah, but they I mean, they've they've, great, they've yeah. watched, but they've watched both versions now, haven't they? They, they think yeah, yeah, yeah. They watched the live action one. They watched the animated one. They, they think they're all good. They're, they're like all the same good. Like yeah, they're all the same good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it is a generational thing. Then shut uh, up, Gadget. Maybe I don't think you have to be a scientist to have worked out. <laughs> you got the control, which is your kids, and yeah, um, yes. But but I I wonder if it's because also it's like the you know the the fourth wall coming down, yeah. uh, and you, you, it's almost for you because not your kids, but for you, you're able to see behind the the the, the the why and it, you know, you're seeing behind. Of course, of course. And, yeah. uh, and it, it's less uh, interesting. Less interesting, less magical. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's what I'm saying, right? Because you, you come into an animated movie, you're expecting something a little bit more, uh, something a little bit more magical, something a little bit more Disney-esque, you know? And if it's, if it's live action, you're expecting something different. And it's just expectations that you're, you know, you have to manage your expectations when you're going in, into it. So I think for these producers of these films, they need to understand what the audience are expecting too when they're creating, I guess, different mediums for the same story, you know? Yeah, in The Little Mermaid, is it the same songs as the, the old one? Yeah, it's the same songs with an additional one or two songs, oh. you know? Yeah. So, 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 so here's the thing. Now, they didn't, the songs are okay, but I think they needed to also have a little bit more, they needed to have a, a little bit more, uh, a better character development, for example, you know, maybe better character development for the prince, uh, Prince Eric, a bit better character development for the mermaid, for Ariel. Um, uh, like, 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 like Super Mario Brothers. Have you guys watched the Super Mario Brothers movie? Oh, um, we don't have no, kids. No. We really just don't have kids. What can I say? <laughs> no, well, I wanted to watch the Super Mario Brothers movie because I grew up with the original Super Mario Brothers TV series on TV, uh -huh. right? And it was very stereotypical. They were making fun of the Italian-American community. It was like, ah, I'm a Mario eating a pizza in a pizzeria, you know, that kind of thing. But in the movie, they, they, they kind of had progression. They don't speak yeah. like that anymore, but they do parody and satire, you know, they have parody of the of the Italian American culture, uh, and it's no longer Mario trying to save the princess; it's the princess trying to save Luigi. You know, so so it was different. So maybe these old classic Disney animated movies could follow that route. I don't know. <laughs> well, I I'm sure that you know they're hearing they're hearing 
criticisms. Um, consistently, wherever I do read about Little Mermaid, people are saying much the same as you. It's kind of like, it's a bit boring. It's It's the same. Why bother doing it? But of course, if it's, they already own all the content that they're, they're not really spending much and they're just making it new again for a new generation that always likes to have something new. Maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody, as far as I'm concerned, should sit down and listen to, you know, David Bowie circa 1972 and nothing else. But But young people don't think like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm all. I get it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry to break it to you, <clears throat> but I, you know, another thing would be I watched um, the Jungle Book, the original Jungle Book, which is what ninety early sixties it came out. Yeah. Uh, then there was the live action, which is about ten years now, isn't it? Um, yeah, quite some time. But the thing about uh, they're very different. They're very different from each other. The, the 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 live action is actually a bit more kind of like attuned to Rudyard Kipling really mm -hmm. in a way but the the thing about the original animation if you'd made a, a live action of that one on the spot it really would have exposed the racism of of that film all right yeah you're right because the <clears throat> the voices if it's a it's a it's a black uh, uh, you know louis armstrong yeah and he's saying, I want to be like you. I want to be like you, correct, yeah. I, I mean, it's just shocking, really. <laughs> and the bear is this kind of uh, hillbilly redneck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. The stereotypes there are... But because it, it because it's now it's a bear and it's an orangutan, you kind of forgive it all. You don't really see it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So in The Little Mermaid, the lobster is... What's the lobster? Is uh, it a lobster? What is it? It's a it's it's a crab. Sebastian, yeah, yeah, Sebastian. He's he's a crab. It's a Jamaican now. crab. Yeah, he's, a, he's still Jamaican, still Jamaican, but yeah, Jamaican <laughs> crab. Yeah, yeah, man. Yes, man. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, your so today is the day of Zan Alfie doing accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, really wiping out our uh, Jamaican audience <laughs> and a bit of culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, but can I ask you, I mean, speaking of which, because the big deal in America is the fact that she, Ariel, is being played by, she's not exactly black per se, but she's darker anyway than yes, the, the red-haired, yes, red right. uh, glowingly white original. Correct, yes. But, but I mean, here we are far away from America in, in Malaysia. I mean, that, that just doesn't come across as being a thing, does it? No, no? I don't think so. Not for us, yeah. And but your kids were like just flat out, no problem, Daddy. I love this. Can you yeah. please shut up? Yes, yes. <laughs> and so I basically shut up, and now I'm renting it to you guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> you like get a sympathetic, sympathetic audience. I don't know. I, I mean, Kajin, are you sold? Are you going to go buy? Are you going to watch this movie to check out? Um, critique it. I, I have I have seen some goodish reviews of it, so. I think, like, what you pointed out, Zan, about Super Mario Brothers is that, like, I mean, it's, it's meant for, for people our age who used to play Mario and watch the show, right? So I guess they know they have to deliver on something different. And I think the upcoming movie that looks very different as well from what its previous incarnation was is the Barbie movie. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, it, it looks like a completely different creature. It looks very meta and it's going to make fun of itself for being sexist in the past. And I think that's catered towards people of our generation, right? Or older. Um, whereas maybe for Disney, they're like, ah, who cares? You know, 
It's yeah. just for to create a new pipeline of people we're going to suck blood from. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, well, to recap then, uh, it's clear that Z- Zan Asli does not want to be part of that world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. You're not going to make me sing it, Kevin. You're not going to sing it. Uh, you got the long hair. You could be sitting on a rock. <laughs> the waves splashing. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Zan, maybe you should make like a live action version of like Kaluang Man or one of those like classic uh, Malay cartoons back in the day. <laughs> That'll be your, you know, the yeah. next film project. Yeah. Well, kids out there, if you have opinions on uh, that, I, I never thought I would see Zan Asli, old man, actually rear his head. <laughs> I It just didn't cross my mind. Um, so anyway, we move on, though, to uh, the final part of the show, recommendations, where we recommend something that we think might be of interest. And Onkar Jin goes first. Well, I have to recommend Tina Turner. Go and listen to her music. Um, you know, I think just past my favorite is still what's got what's love got to do with it mm. she's remarkable absolutely remarkable, remarkable. Yeah. she is great loss yeah i, I must say I, I was so much more much more keen on her early stuff indeed the stuff that she did with her really really horrible husband ike turner um that's river deep mountain high which was produced by another really bad man phil specter um but some of that music was astonishing and um but boy did she um turn it around my goodness she was a huge star um oh yes okay so tina turner um my recommendation is well i a few weeks ago i asked i asked the guests on the show if i should buy a book which is a very expensive book and it's such a book i kind of already owned um it was a one-part book, and then I discovered that it was actually there was a two-part version, double the size, and and all told, including packaging and uh, posting and stuff, it came to over eight hundred ringgit, and um, and I bought it, so I, I had to, um, so I'm going to recommend that because it's so good. It's called uh, uh, Tune In, All These Years by Mark Lewison, and it's uh, part one of a three-part history of the Beatles, and it's it's huge. It's fantastic. It is great social history, actually. It's as if it's a history of post-industrial West, but in the guise of a history of this band. So um, it's really good. Uh, Zan, what do you got? Uh, I was going to recommend for for writers, people who are writers, who are new writers, writers, people who want to be writers, or people who have been writing for a very long time and feel like they're stuck, to use chat GPT oh. to assist in their writing. Yeah, oh, that, that's why, that's oh, why, how? I'm serious because, Go on, because how? <laughs> like, like me, for example, I've been writing opinion pieces, columns uh, for a very long time, you know, and um, I've kind of gotten a little bit bored with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it seems like all my opinions are the same. And I look back 15 years, <laughs> 18 years, these are, these are my thoughts. They're the same, you know, it's just like going around in circles. So I've been using ChatGPT to do research, uh, to look at how different writers write, uh, how uh, how ChatGPT sees the way I write, and putting in ideas, putting in different issues, and all that. And it generates a lot of like uh, material for me to go through, uh, and it has helped me kind of like feel more invigorated in my writing, feel um, feel more wholesome, more satisfied with the way I write now using ChatGPT. So I think I'm going to recommend, yeah, I'm going to recommend people who want to be writers or existing writers 
to experiment with it, not to plagiarize, right? But to see how you can improve, how you can change the way you write or change your feelings towards your own writing. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Even I, I, even I wouldn't go so far. Wow. wow. Sam, you, you're, you're truly <laughs> embracing the singularity here. <laughs> no, all my editors now are going to start like checking my work for plagiarism. <laughs> but you are plagiarizing yourself. So what does it matter? I guess so. You own the, you own the original copyright. Um, are you just being so kind of like forward thinking because you're feeling a bit embarrassed about how old man you were about the, uh, the <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah? This was planned before Burn that. Burn it yeah. all down. <laughs> you know, punk lives, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a balance, <laughs> you know. You can be a boomer yet still progressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's um, okay. That's uh, no, I didn't think about that. Uh, sorry, by the way, folks, if you can hear my cat in the background, he's just woken up and he's uh, he's very grumpy. So that's, that's that noise. Um, Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. And uh, only remains me now to thank. Thank you so much, Onkar Jin. Thank you, guys. If you need an assistant uh, uh, consultant, I could uh, I could come in with you and I can just, I'll just hold, I'll hold my head and just, you know, be thinking and then you just say the words and then we both leave. That's half of the job already. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, thank you so much, Zan Asli. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, try not to bother your kids too much. Let them watch the <laughs> movies on their own. <laughs> Dad, it's not for you. <laughs> okay. And so join us next week for another episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.